You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to a live episode of Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. Uh, I never normally write anything down for these and I was going to today, but I don't really know what to say. I'm not sure, not sure it will make any difference at all. We're obviously going to talk about the utter catastrophic collapse of Nottingham Forest last night. Uh, it's something we're kind of used to, being a Forest fan of my vintage. I've seen plenty of collapses, Sheffield United, Yeovil, which we'll come to. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this one was up there. They didn't even make the playoffs this time, but it's pretty galling. So joining me to talk about it, we're really grateful that former Red David Prutton has joined us as the Sky Sports presenter. Good morning, Prutz. How are you? I'm okay, Matt, but more importantly, and you probably probably kind of touched on it slightly there, how are you? Can you speak for all Reds fans this morning? Not really. Oh, yeah. God, just gutted. Uh, you know, I'm kind of used to it, but I saw the defeat coming. I saw Forrest losing coming. I didn't think Swansea would win by that much. Mm. Um, when Forrest scored, I thought that was it. They'll be fine. I was pretty chilled out. And then it just unravelled and it was... Utterly catastrophic. Oh, my swore then. Um, yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> the one warning I gave you, don't swear beforehand. Yeah, I mean, look, you're the expert. What, how would you sum up what's happened in the last few weeks? What do you think's gone wrong for Forrest? Well, I think we, there's been contrast, hasn't there, across the football, um, not the Football League, obviously the Championship, and even in the Premier League. When you look at the way teams have come back, what form they've been in, being able to time runs at the right time, um, it, it's strange, isn't it? Because that faltering form, as you quite rightly say, did carry on into the last game. And I think even going into the last game, there was that um, inkling. There was that possibly, I, I was just looking, checking a few social media bits this morning and, and checking on um, uh, the kind of response from the Forest fans. And there was that case of, we don't think it's going to happen, mm. but... We can see it happening, which which kind of sums up what you were saying um, in, in the sense of because of how well they've done over the course of the season as a collective, I've always thought. And I, I, I still maintain it's a team with some very, very good players, but it is a team that's greater than the sum of its parts together when it's firing and, and fit and um, uh, on form. You don't stay in the playoffs for that long by not being a good side. We, we've covered them many, many a time and looked at the statistics of in-possession, out-possession, all this type of stuff. Um, but fundamentally, what happens at the very end of, of the season in a game such as that, it's about being mentally and emotionally um, tough enough to take it on. And that implosion, as you quite rightly say, I think Sabri's reaction to it at the end possibly summed up exactly how or, how a large portion of Forest fans would feel. Emotional, um, at a loss, Devastated in a in a sporting and footballing sense, and um, it it just when when you're looking for backbone, when you're looking for for structure, when you're looking for the like I said, the mental ability to carry it forward, it, that wasn't the case. Uh, you could you could it's again I, I was, uh, bits I was reading off the back of the game, listening to Michael O'Neill talk about. Um, his side. I mean, Stoke City are a team and a squad that should be absolutely nowhere near where they are mm-hmm. at all. Let's get that right first and foremost. They did their business at the weekend. They turned Brentford over. 
high-fiving each other. Yes, I understand that. I've been in that position. I remember being there at Sheffield Wednesday when you are avoiding relegation. Um, but clubs like that, Stoke's recent history being in the Premier League, they shouldn't be there. So th- there is, without me being uber kind of critical, players that have been recent Premier League players, high-fiving the fact that they're not getting relegated to League One shouldn't be happening, should it? Mm. But they go into that game with nothing to play for. Nothing to play for. The pressure was all on Forest, And you did you did quite right because, uh, I mean, I've got f- fans with, uh, no, friends uh, who are fans and, and, and know of fans and have got that kind of dark sense of humour. So I obviously get the text about, like you said, about the Oval game and uh, knowing how emotional that was for everyone involved. And just thinking that this morning, when they're like that, and then suddenly Derby County fans and players pipe up again, a squad and a team that is shouldn't be finishing tenth <laughs> should be looking to get in the in the at least the playoffs um, over the course of championship season. And all in all, it's raining outside, and it, I, I presume it'll be raining for Forest fans for a couple of days. You you played in games like not I don't want to dissect the oval game, but in the sense that a game can get away from you, and you've been. You can. Well, you've been you've been in that situation as a player. Can you tell listeners how a game can unravel like that? Because a lot of us won't understand it. Um, it, 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 it's and it's the reason that we we love watching football because to mm. sit there and watch it as you, as you pull your hair out and fail to understand what's going on. I remember being in the playoff final with Leeds and I played about 60, 65 minutes. Came off, and um, as that game meandered to a close, you know what I mean. We we all watch we all watch these wonderful movies where the heroes right at the end, and you know what I mean. Everything comes together in the last minute, all that type of thing. But more often than not, that doesn't happen. More often than not, you sit there going, watching this very slow moving kind of train wreck, and, and just wondering how on earth you stop it. And it seemed from Forest's point of view that that's when you need leaders. I'm not talking about running around looking busy. I'm talking about fundamentals, lads. There's there's obviously from the point of view of um, winning, losing or drawing a game. But literally when it comes down to the goal difference, which that swing, that'll be the bit that I feel that Forest uh, Forest players are kicking themselves about. Because Mm. I'm not saying for one second it goes Sunday league and we all go, if you just stand on the edge of the 18-yard box and defend for your sheer lives. But it, it, I, I would like to think that it was passed along the line that how close the game was with regards to the to the goals involved. Um, and you ask how it can unravel. It Sometimes it's an emotional thing. I can't think it's necessarily overly tactical. I, it, for, for players to start running out of position and coming out of shape would be thoroughly unprofessional. I can't think for a second that Sabri would allow that. I mean, you've seen Sabri on the side of the touchline. Mm. You can hear him when the crowd's there. With no crowd there, short of him manhandling players into position, uh, I don't know what else he could have possibly done. So it's um, it's it's that kind of and, and, and watching it from a fan's perspective. Perspective, there's there's where the frustration comes in because on paper we all we can all play football on paper. It's all very very simple. Team that's at the bottom of the league that's not done very well over the course of a season. A Forest side that has been kind of um, stumbling along after lockdown and that solitary point that was needed became so elusive and maybe just mentally and emotionally and physically everything came together for that imperfect storm which meant that they ended up in the position that they ended up in 
Uh, as ever, we're live on Facebook as we have done the last few episodes, so you can drop comments in and questions for David. I know we've got a lot of people watching. I'll just put a couple to him now and then go back to some more general questions. Uh, Tom Faulkner, uh, what can happen now? Surely Forrest should, surely should speak to the Forest hierarchy. I suppose that's leaning towards the, the what next for Lamucci kind of angle. I mean, we saw Danny Crowley go in the Pierce mm. ago. The championship is not a league of patience. And Nottingham Forest are not a club for patience when it comes to managers. So what's your inkling about what happens next? Um, I'd like to think that there's emotion taken out of the decision. As I said, when you hear Sabri last night, when you see how upset he was, and he was genuine upset. I, I don't think he's a man that um, plays at being uh, or pretending to, to understand what what being involved with Nottingham Forest is just purely for his own personal benefit. I think he genuinely is dialed into the emotion of that. I think any fans that I've had the pleasure of speaking to have, have been very, very complimentary. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, having covered this club and this team post-playing and, and we've been there various times and talked a lot of the time about, I mean, the fact that it's almost a celebratory fact that Forrest have finished and ended the season with the same manager for the first time in a decade. Yeah. Mm. That That is, it's, it, is it staggering? It's staggering in a degree that that's seen as a almost a badge of honour. It's shocking in the other sense that that continuity hasn't been there. Now, I know it's not always continuity equals results. Look at Watford chopping and changing managers. And I mean, we'll still remain to see, remains to be seen where they're going to be next season, but that's still got them to the Premier League. So I think you've, the players quite obviously have got to take responsibility, but so does the manager. The manager more often than not falls on his sword. I think he's been a cracking addition to not just Forest, but the league in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I was reading some comments off one of the Nottinghamshire Live articles and made a very pertinent point about the goal difference. You know what I mean? Lewis has done his bit again, getting 20 odd goals. Um, But you look at the teams at the very, very top, um, defensively very, very sound, like Brentford, Leeds United. um, And I I understand, I'm not saying as far as fans just to rub it in, I mean, after the event of not being able to, to get there, but when you're in the plus 30s, plus 40s goal difference column, then you're giving yourself a hell of a chance to get out of a league. And um, I think there's been a coherence to what we've seen with with Sabri and Forrest, which I think, correct, correct me if I'm reading it slightly wrong, but I think Forrest fans have, have taken, not just to the way he plays football, but to, that, to the person himself. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's a question mark more recently about the tactics and the... Specifically, if I can speak, the Barnsley game when they sat back too much. But I think, but, but we've we, but we've we've seen, we've seen that before. We've seen the odd aberration, which was it, it seemed to be games in quick succession. There was a I, I can't for life me. Forrester played to one in midweek, then they went to Wigan on a Sunday, and he made four or five changes. I think what maybe one was possibly injury enforced. But it didn't go the way it was meant to go. We saw the Leeds game. They were fantastic in the Leeds game. Weren't they? Leeds looked absolutely out on the feet. Hmm. Um, and again, changes in midweek uh, against Charlton, which I think one again might have been enforced, but the others kind of mixed up a little bit. Um, so, I mean, it, it's funny when we talk about team selection, we sit there and we say, well, 
surely he should play or surely he should. But sometimes the minutiae and the detail of what goes on between a Saturday tea time game and a Wednesday night game or a Tuesday night game, we're not privy to. And, we're not, and we shouldn't be. I understand that we, we're all, we've all got a voracious appetite for um, knowing what's going on within a football club. But a manager, it, it's at his behest that he makes the decisions that he does and he lives and dies by those. And I, and I don't think either when these decisions have been made that I don't think Savage really covered it up. I think he's always kind of alluded to it. And when he's been asked a question, he's he's been pretty straight with the answer. So, um, and the other side of it is, going if you're dovetailing into what happened last night, you've got to trust the players that are on the pitch. Obviously, mm-hmm. Sam so going off early, we know what he can bring to the midfield for Forrest. Um, but there's enough experience on that pitch and, and enough Game nows, maybe not in when you when I say experience, not just in years, but in actual players that have got a decent amount of games under the belts to be able to see that game through. Mm. But again, Stoke City handbrake off, no pressure. It, it was, it was, it, it was that potential banana skin that they slipped royally up on. Um, Cy Alton says, please no knee-jerk reaction and sacking of Sabri. We need to keep him and go again next season. Change your mind will be a backward step and repeat the whole cycle again. That leans into what I was going to ask next about, if you look at the top end of the championship, Bielsa had the you know that huge disappointment last season. Thomas mm. Frank had time to build a team. Even Bilic has had time to build a team. Do you see wisdom in continuity generally within the championship? Wisdom in the championship. Wow. In, in, in terms of maintaining managers and giving them a second season, a second I was going to say that, that there was an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. But <laughs> the, that sense of, yeah, I mean, the, the pressure was on Bielsa and Bilic and, and, um, and his pressure still on Thomas Frank, as much as he might, it, it might be portrayed as they're these kind of underdog outsiders that, but the, the pressure is absolutely on them. So, I think there is, like I said, that that broad acceptance of what he's done and how he's gone about it, um, means that there's a there's. I mean, and, and regardless of of how they look, how a fan would look at the hierarchy, I think as long as there's that goodwill going into next season. I mean, I'm not saying goodwill gets you promote, promoted by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. You look at the example laid down by uh, Marcelo Bielsa of of. Um, how fit that team has been, how intense that team has been, how they've managed to outthink people that had seemed to be able to out, outthink them. You know what I mean? The first incarnation, the first season, again, take the Forest the forest game, for example, that was two men meeting on a certain day when Lamushi had the upper hand. The players had the upper hand. They were better. Um, but better in one game is very, very different to better in 46 overall, as we well know. So mm. um, I think... I think there's scope there, but and, and again, but you look at the players. I mean, collectively, he's brought those players forward, but they've also had money to spend. You look at um, what West Brom did with their recruitment, the likes of Dan Garner and Pereira, uh, Romain Sawyer's, the amount of goal scorers they had in the team and out the team, ready to go, um, showed exactly how they were. Brentford, again, Brentford, it, it's what they've done from a recruitment point of view has been nothing short of staggering, really. Especially when the players that they've kept have nearly got them to the Premier League. The players that they've sold on have more often than not moved up to the Premier League for a hell of a lot of money as well. So something's going very, very right down there. Um, so I think there's there's plenty of examples to follow. And again, we, 
using Stoke as another example of a team that came down from the Premier League, chops and chains, players that perhaps felt they should be at a high level but weren't performing that way. There's there's another example of what a lack of continuity can do to you. So I think I think um, sticking with Sabri at this moment in time would be absolutely the right thing. But it's a quick turnaround, isn't it? Quick turnaround between now yeah. and the start of next season and give it a month into the season if and if Forrest carry on this type of stuttering form then you need to be able to give a manager as long as possible to be able to get as much out of a season as you possibly can. If, yeah, I was going to ask about that quick turnaround. If you were a, mm. a player back in that dressing room now, I mean, how would you be able to lift your chins off the floor? What can the manager do? What can the, the players do? And how will that quick turnaround impact on them? Because it's not a normal pre-season now, is it? It's not. And I think if, if, I'm, if I'm trying to accentuate the positives on it, it's a short space of time to turn around to get back on the pitch to get back in the fans' good books. I'm not saying that every single player and every single member of the squad is looking is is being ruthlessly pulled apart by by the fans, but the, the fans ultimately that cliche you're only as good as your last game, and you do have to impress them. You do have to make sure that you're pleasing them and and uh, being and being as much as you possibly can for them. And I think there'll be a certain section of, of players that would think, thank God for that. Let's get our, our heads down and get away and, and get away from the situation for a week or two. But the other side of it would be, get those games coming thick and fast. Get me back out on the pitch in the shirt. Mm-hmm. Eradicate the memories of yesterday. Um, and it'll be, physically, it'll be different. It's It's been a very intense, short burst of time, but we had a long time away from it. And, we, I think we've all absolutely missed it. Um, miss, I mean, it, it seem, it's been brought into kind of real sharp focus without the fans. It, it's not the same game without the fans, is it? it it's mm. it, it, it's exactly it makes it exactly the game and the reason why we turn up, why all the fans out there go spending the money and singing the hearts out and booing and cheering and crying and laughing. That's that's what this game is. That's why we're sat on here talking about it. If no one turned up and no one cared, yeah. no, one would, no, no one would be remotely bothered that Forrest missed out on the playoffs. But Forrest fans do care a lot and um, are well within their rights to be able to show how much they care and how they care. So um, that sense of those games coming in a relatively short period of time, fingers crossed, if everything goes according to plan moving forward on an obviously quite bigger global scale, then... I think it's got to be hit the ground running. I think it's got to be a team that looks at the top six at least uh, and a club that looks at the top six at least. Because and, and even the other side of it, when you're looking about the infrastructure, and it might be slightly different with regards to as and when, has there been any update on redevelopment at the ground? Is, is that... no, it's stalled a bit because of coronavirus. Right. Yeah. We're kind of in a holding pattern. But it, yeah, like you say... The club is on has is kind of built for success in the long term if they can get everything in place, isn't it? But the, but the great thing is about building success. For the, the great thing, the thing about building success for the long term is to get that long term success. The short and the medium term, without trying to lapse into management speak, has got to be spot on. Has got to be yeah. these little hurdles that get you to where you want to go have to be jumped over, have to be cleared, have to be. Um, surmounted to make sure that wherever that glorious future lies the foundations are there and um don't get, don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not talking here Matt, and, and not realizing the situation that 
part of my history with Forest has, has been the, the year that I joined. It, it was it, obviously they just got back into the Premier League back in '98, and then um, drizzled away. And we, we gave it a decent crack for a couple of seasons. Got obviously to the playoffs against Sheffield United after I'd moved on, and then the debacle of, of what happened in League One. But it's I, I think I, I think the galling thing would be, and I was speaking about this with the with the Leeds journalist as well. Even though you're my favourite, obviously, Matt. You know what I mean? Let's Thank no, no, no crosswise there, Laker. Um, <laughs> that that sense of these big traditional huge football clubs, and I, I'm slightly coming away from last night, but and it, and it's and it's not a way of trying to placate Forest fans. But when you've seen who's been up in the interim period, um, Hull City have been up and down a couple of times. Burnley have been up and down a couple of times. Bournemouth have got themselves there relatively established. Again, it's a bit tricky coming into this season. Um, Huddersfield. Uh, teams, Blackpool, teams with the historical football clubs that we know about, but why, why Forest fans are sat there scratching their heads today saying, why shouldn't it be us? Why shouldn't we be the people that are the club that's getting back there? And they're absolutely right because all it takes is, <laughs> all it takes is consistency of performance and results, which therein lies the conundrum of what the championship is. It sounds relatively straightforward, but my God, <laughs> practice, it's really tough. I'm going to, uh, I've got a couple of big big picture questions, but I'm just going to come to a couple of viewer questions. Um, mm. James Vincent, I don't know if Sabri has a plan B, why bring Tyler Walker back and not play him, which I guess kind of touches on the formula was working for Forrest, you know, counter-attacking, not having much of the mm. ball, and then it didn't really work at the end. From what you've seen of Forrest, is that a fair criticism that they, they weren't adaptable? Yeah, I, I don't think it, it's a million miles away, James, at all. I, 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 and it's a good, it's a good point he makes. Um, it, that reliance on like Matty Cash being able to bomb on and, and Joe Joe Lolly conjuring something up and Lewis Graben to score his quota of goals. Um, that's heavily reliant upon players playing at the best for, like I said, forty six games of a season, which is in. It's superhuman, if you like, not inhuman, Christ, but it's, it's superhuman in that essence. So um, sometimes a plan A that's stretched to the nth degree that is uh, at the benefit of form and fitness can get you over the line. It absolutely can get you over the line. But more often than not, you need different ways of answering the same question, which is how to win a football match. And I think, I th- again, you'd probably be looking into the squad depth, strength of the, of the players that are able to come off the bench um, mm. Forest uh, forays into the transfer market over the last couple of seasons. Um, it, like as I've as I've just spoken about Brentford and, and West Brom using the loan system and, and Leeds United bringing in different, but, but then it, it, saying that even then they're, they're they're prone to one that's a bit of an aberration. But I think that's something that they've got to look into. But then that dovetails into. How much money is available? How much money are, uh, is the high, are the hierarchy willing to spend? And also, you mentioned it just a second ago when you, when we're talking about a financial world that is completely intertwined and will mm-hmm. filter down to football. That that money that may have been there might not be there anymore. Those wages that may have been promised to a certain player might be half of that. And don't get me wrong, we players are playing for peanuts by any stretch of the imagination. But it's um, whether they've got that bracket of players to be looking at top six and nothing else um, and whether they can afford those. That's something that they really do need to look at. But tactically, as, as James said, I think, I think it's probably right. 
I think is probably right. And and it's not when you talk about styles of play. When you talk about because um, uh, you mentioned uh, Danny Cowley at Huddersfield, there were inklings that yes, they got safe, but he's but he's been moved on because of the style of play. I think you've got to be very very wary when you start talking about that. It's I think it would be wonderful to turn up on a Saturday afternoon, Tuesday night, whenever it is, and win but also be thoroughly entertained. I also understand, I also realise that when you watch a football match, sometimes it's about grinning and burning and getting through it and hoping by 95 minutes that you've got three points and you can go and dissect it in the pub or on the way home and, and be relatively positive about it. You you touched there, was something I was going to ask you about, about the transfer mm. market. Obviously, Forrest have got players like Joe Warrell, Matty Cash, who are going to be sought after assets. Mm. The Forest have to hope that the market falls out the bottom. The, the bottom falls out of the market so much that they can keep them and, with some better recruitment, actually strengthen the squad. Because, like you, you touched on something we've said on this podcast about, they've got fourteen or fifteen good players. Mm. They don't really have the depth. So, what impact do you think the the current crisis is going to have on the transfer market? I think it's a it's a good point you make, Matt. The, the first and foremost, keeping hold of your best players is paramount to move forward I think unless because when you looked at the clubs that were mooted with the likes of Matty it's a big, big club isn't it when you talk about especially Italian football but whether whether there's there's that amount of money that would be on offer going it was going back a couple of seasons uh, was it in the off season last season possibly before Calvin Phillips at Leeds was mooted to be interesting uh, Spurs in the region of about 25 to 30 million quid, which you th- can think, wow, that's a lot of money. But then you look back now and you think they kept hold of him. Suddenly they're in the Premier League. That changes somewhat. The the landscape changes somewhat, doesn't it? Um, yeah, so it's imperative, like to Joe, Matty. But, and again, it's that adding to, adding to that um, squad of players. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's about... Um, just going out and because I, I was going to say then it's about bringing in kind of those marquee named players, but I, I I think possibly those days maybe they've been diluted somewhat because it's nice, isn't it? You read it, you pick up a paper, you look at pick up a paper. What remember those things? You look on your phone <laughs> basically. Yeah. It tells you rolling news who's going where. And, uh, I think such as the broad reach of European football and scouting systems now that I think if people are genuinely honest. There'd be a lot of, a lot of play- oh, we're getting such and such. And you go, who? And you go, oh, he's from there. And he's, he played with that. And you go, how do you know that? You've, all you've done is Google him. Yeah, yeah, but he, he's, he looks really good. Yeah, because you've read what teams he's played for. There's not many now that you kind of go, wow. I, unless we're talking about big name players that are established stars. You go, wow, yeah, he's, 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 he's a marquee player. He's a marquee name. We know exactly what he's going to do. Did anyone know what Sabri Lamushi was going to do? No. I don't think they did. You look, you look at the players that have come in from Forest, like the, maybe the Portuguese element of it as well. Not many. You go, yep, know exactly who he is. And I'm not, not saying that in, in a disrespectful way. I just think that's the case. You look at players that came in at Wolves, the likes of Nevers, etc. Not many were household names. They've since gone on to show how very, very good they are because they've been given the chance, have been facilitated that way, and they've been in uh, a club and a structure that was absolutely geared to the Premier League. Wages, mm-hmm. uh, potential players that they bought, manager that they had in line. That w- that wasn't a team that was going to be messing around too long in the second tier, was it? By any stretch of the imagination. They were looking at not only Premier League football, but European football as well. 
so maybe just maybe, and I'm not, but that's a different approach. You look at who they had at their disposal to help facilitate getting players like that. Again, it's it's about working those relationships. So I think additions for Forest would absolutely be the right thing. But again, whether that means that post kind of lockdown and, and, and during a pandemic, they can go and splash any form of cash and still want to redevelop the stadium and still want to make it as accessible for fans as possible. Um, there's so many plates to spin for the people that are in charge of the money that, I mean, you, you just, well, I think we're all just glad. As much as we want this club to move forward, I think we're, we're all relatively relieved that we're not there going, well, yeah, you can have that money for this and you can have that money for this and be ultimately responsible if it goes, it goes south. So, obviously, everyone's gutted this morning. When the dust settles in a week or so, how do you think Forest fans should view this season in its entirety? A missed opportunity. Mm. Absolutely a missed opportunity. The general consensus, I, I feel, has been the standard wasn't quite as good as the last couple of seasons. It was probably a flatter track than it was, I think. Um <sighs> I can't think that they're going to sit there too comfortably and, and, and I forgive them entirely if they don't tune in at all. <laughs> I can't <laughs> think they're going to sit there and you'd probably look at Brentford, especially their run post-lockdown, a wonderful run of form, um, the stats that kind of back up where they finished. Um, but I think I think Forrest would would have fancied themselves on the day against Fulham, Cardiff and Swansea. I absolutely mm. do. That's, that's what that's what will be the galling thing. And that, that's the thing that, that, again, keeps coming back for more. It's that what-if element. And it was that solitary point that was needed to keep them in there. And then it would have been, it's a cliche, the lottery of the playoffs, and it absolutely would have been that. And I think they would have, they would have had the way of playing and the um, emotion to be able to, to go into a, that two-legged affair going into the, into the final and then hopefully get into the final and really fancy themselves. So I think there'll be, Certain things they will be pleased about. I think that two-way relationship, which is absolutely at the core of any football club between the fans and the and the team itself, has been there. I think there's a lot of players that have been very. Um, I think they're a likable bunch of players. Likable doesn't get you promoted. I absolutely understand that, but I think it helps you stick with the club through thick and thin. And I think the manager's done a lot to bring. Everyone close together, but I just think that'll be that'll be the, the thing that sits in the in the pit of the stomach of it's that missed opportunity because of what the league was like this season. I can't, like I said, bigger clubs that have been down at the bottom, I can't see them having another go at survival once more. They're they're going to have to dust themselves off, separate the wheat from the chaff, and get themselves back up to the top of or looking to get out of the division again because uh, we know. Financially, it's a huge prize. We know the prestige of it, and it's um, it's that sense of being so close, i.e., a point away from getting into the playoffs, but so very, very far away at the end of the day. It's a bit of a debate going on in the comments section here about to what degree the players cared, who was crying, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, the players will have cared, won't they? There's no debate about how much it will have hurt them last night just because they didn't get in the playoffs. Of course it will. Of course it will. I mean, you don't think it gets mentioned to me all the time. And, and like I said, it's a slightly different. Um, it's a slightly different. It's a it's a different league for a start. It's a different set of players. It's possibly a different set of circumstances. But no, that it, it sticks with you as a player. Absolutely, you can't. 
if you've got any sense of pride or um, self awareness when it comes to playing for a football club, you, yeah, uh, and I, I understand that, and, and I understand now that the disparity at this moment in time in this day and age, without sounding like an old ex pro, that there, there there can be that gap between what a fan perceives a player to be like. Um, the fan, the players I've spoken to that are currently at the, at the club, are, are very, very caring, very aware, very understandable about what it is. But I also, realistically, as, as footballers, unless you're kind of born and bred in the area, unless you're kind of a real touchstone with that community, you do understand pretty early on, or you should understand pretty early on, that you're a custodian of whatever number shirt that you get. And without sounding too twee, you do absolutely everything in your power to make, make sure that whilst you are wearing that shirt, the finger can't be pointed at you, that you don't care, you don't try, and you don't, um, you don't, you're not bothered about the outcome. The other side of it is, is, is purely subjective. I don't like him because he runs funny, his passing's <laughs> crap. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't score enough goals. Um, he gets booked and sent off too many times. I, I absolutely understand that. That's, that's what you buy into when you want to become a footballer. You understand that cross-section of people, if a quarter of them like you, you do that. You're doing half a decent job. If all of them like you, that's I mean that's superstar status, which quite obviously I, I cannot relate to. But I think <laughs> that sense of um, caring. I mean, I know Michael Dawson. I've known Michael Dawson since he. I was going to say since he was this big, but he has always been about this big, about half a foot taller than me when he was when he was a teenager. But there's there's absolutely no way that someone like him is standing for something like that. Absolutely mm. no way at all. Matty Cash, a younger, not a version of Dawes, because he smiles a lot more, and um, he's um, he's a bit sharper as well. But they, um, there's no way that he doesn't care. There's no way Joe Lolly, the type of cerebral, uh, deep thinking, intelligent footballer that he, there's no way he doesn't care. There's no mm. way Sabri Lamushi is allowing that squad of players not to care or bother about what it means to everybody. There's, I'm not buying that at all. I understand how it can look. I understand. Um, the frustration, but like I said, I think deep down, majority of Forest fans would see a club and a team that they that they have been proud of this season, but absolutely, understandably, feel disappointed and let down by this morning. Uh, I'm not going to keep you all day, obviously. So I've got a couple more questions. <laughs> I've literally too. got nothing better to do, Matt. So it's fine. Homes under the hammer. <laughs> Watch on plus one or something. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it well? Dion, Dion Dublin does all those anyway, so we'll we'll skip to speed with Dion. He knows exactly what he's talking about. It's the same. Well, you know, tangent. It's the same house every time. Dion walks in. It's utter garbage, and he says he loves it. <laughs> There's something to work with here, as we're in simplicity Delford. is genius. You see, there's the format. Boom. We're in Telford or Stoke. Here's a s hole house. Let's spend three grand <laughs> on it and rent out. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I don't want to use it your time to that. Um, you you were talking about the caring side of it and the mentality. A, a couple of the questions. Jeff Buddington, can we start emotionally fresh or will there be an emotional hangover? I guess that's impossible to say, isn't it? Because of the quick turnaround. It is, but, but I, tell, I tell you what as well, and, and this is this is something which is, is a horrible thing to have to, to, to debate because fundamentally you want the fans in the stadium. Fundamentally, you and we understand, we all understand, come on. What, what needs to be done and how slow that, that process potentially and how long that process could potentially be. But 
if you look at the game last night, if it had been the outpouring of emotion and anger, I think from the fans would have been absolutely, you know, what I mean, palpable. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to miss it at all, would you? And then going into that first game of the season, there might have been that trepidation of the fans coming into the numbers and, and almost kind of sat there, arms folded, going, "Come on, come on, you need to make up for this." You've got from minute one. Now, I, I understand that the players will know that there's, there's ways and means of watching the game, but there won't be that very, very quick touchstone between what a fan thinks and, and how you're playing. So I, I can understand that emotional fallout, but this is where the professional side of being a professional footballer comes in because you are going to be there. You're going to play the game. Obviously, op- opposition are going to be there. They'll be your staff. They'll be the stewards. They'll, they'll be, they'll be the, um, the nuts and bolts of the staff that keep a match day going and get a football match, obviously, into uh, reality. But other than that, that's when they've got to show that they're strong enough. Easy for me to say, on my books up a long time ago, no pressure on watching a football match at all. But that's it's when it be, when it is vocational, when it is a career, when it is a profession, I understand the emotional element of it. I understand the mental side of it. But sorry, you've got to get back. You've got to perform. That's, that's the only thing, focus, that they should have. Yes, broader concerns. Again, it seems like every conversation we have about stuff like this, you can't not say that because... It's weird. You go outside, you look outside, you go do shopping, whatever. Things seem almost normal, but you you know deep down that they're nowhere near it. Um, but when it comes to what the players can control, that they, they can control um, their attitude, their attitude, they can control their approach to the game, the preparation for the game. And to a certain extent, you can control what you do within a football match. But I understand the rest of it is, is uh, at the mercy of, of the other players on the pitch. But that's where being a professional comes into it and that, that's what they've got to do between now and then banish those thoughts away hit the ground running would you what would what do you think Lamucci would have said to them last night if you you've been in dressing rooms like that would you have said anything <laughs> well normally normally what would happen in that case would I'd get my traditional telling off and you'd let us down but you do in you silly sod um but I think in I think when it's when it's collectively given the emotion of the man um I think he would have been. It's funny because having seen the way he is and listened to interviews, I could see him doing both, like literally tearing the door down and going mental. But I, I could also see him being quite, you know, what I mean that that, that seething, seething agony inside of knowing how close his team was and how uh, ultimately they fell short. And the frustration in that, that, therein lies the job of the frustration as a manager. You can pick a team, you can train a team, you can get to know players both uh, on the field and off the field and, you, and he puts his trust in them. And I think uh, there's, there's not a, a person involved in that that wouldn't feel like they've let the manager down and, in, and in turn the manager feels like he's probably let the fans down. So I think he would have been emotional. I think he would have been um, honest. And then I think the debrief over the next couple of days, that's when you've got to put it to bed. Really, that's when you've got to put it to bed. And don't. And as much as we talk about players and the emotional hangover, don't let the manager, the manager can't carry that into next season. You can't start pre-season um, like a bear with a sore head, carrying that around with him. It's, it's, that's that type of thing. And this is when the man management side of it will be intriguing to see what hold or what effect he has on the players. And that's where he's, he's really going to earn his core. 
Uh, last couple. Richard Leonard says, far too reliant on Samba Sow. Took some time to gel when Sow got injured. Uh, I've lost the screen. I uh, had no replacement, sorry. That was going to touch on what I wanted to just ask you quickly about recruitment, specifically in mm. January. They didn't really get it right in January, did they, for whatever reason? It, I mean, hindsight's an easy thing for me to sit here and say that, but do you think that was an error looking back on it now? I think given probably where they'd managed to the position that they got themselves into, a position of relative strength, when you kind of, and given how, forgive me if I don't remember the exact kind of points, because I, I know at different stages, there, there was a relatively big gap between second and third, wasn't there? And, mm-hmm. But as you've seen over the course of a championship season, as that concertinaed and Leeds went on a run, West Brom went on a dodgy run, that game that we saw at the city ground where it, it felt like forwards were really reeling them in. Um, when you've got strength in reserve, to be able to, as we said, change the team against Charleston during the week, to be able to maintain momentum, that's possibly when, as you said, from that point of view, they have let themselves down. I, mean, I think what Sam Bissell brings to the midfield is, is tremendous, really, when he's on song, when he's fit, which is an, another part of the equation. Um, we all know the the ability of Ben Watson and how he facilitates the kind of rest of the team. And again, that's the experience side of it. So, yeah, it's tough because, again, it's 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 a hindsight hypothetical question, isn't it? Looking back at what they should have done wrong. Um, but it, it, it's, it is tough. And, and forgive me, Forest fans, if I'm talking for another, making another point with reflection on what Leeds have done. They bought a, a striker that, I mean, the minutes that he played were absolutely minimal. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't fit when he joined Augustan. Still not fit. Still gone somewhere else. You know what I mean? And and suddenly, Leeds fans are going. Well, we're looking for automatic promotion, and we've bought and we've we've kind of invested in this. What's I don't understand what's going on. So it's um, it, any form of transfer activity, any form of signing is is part chance, part risk. Um. So yeah, again, it's a it's a tough one, to say, Matt, because with hindsight, yes, but. As we'd seen, that team wasn't in the playoffs for quite a huge portion of the season. By luck, it was because as a team, it was playing really well together, and mm. all it needed, all it needed, was the form to be maintained, fitness to be maintained, and possibly, and with with what we've looked at, and we look at the teams that have gone up, look at the teams that still got the carrot of promotion via the playoffs, and where football lands in the grand scheme of things. Um, Possibly being away from each other for three months, being a- away from what they'd managed to build together as 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 a as a group personality, as as little friendship groups, and I, I'd done a, a lockdown chat with with Matty Cash and Michael Dawson, and then there was a genuine fondness for each other, which I don't know that felt to be the thread running through the side, and maybe just maybe because. They hadn't been used. They'd be, they'd got used to each other, and they hadn't been used to each other. And they got back together. And then maybe on a subconscious, may, forgive, forgive, forgive me if I'm getting too deep for twenty past eleven on a on a Thursday <laughs> morning. But we, we're not. Maybe maybe, and I'm maybe I'm trying to mitigate too much for a team that's missed out on the players when it was when it was in such a good position. Maybe subconsciously that's had an effect on them. We we just don't know this this season that is a, a total and utter anomaly might have affected players and, and clubs in different ways. Yeah, I do think the, the injury to Cash and Lolly late season and, and the, uh, Bryce Samba, that did kill them, really. Just that lack of 
replacements come in. Although Jordan Smith did very well in goal, I'm not going to mm. put anything on him, obviously. But... Well, well, I mean, like you said about about uh, Brace, he, he was didn't start the season. We're sat there watching West Brom make it all look relatively easy after 15 minutes of Forest really going at him, and obviously Matty scoring that goal. Goalkeeper chucks a couple, and you're kind of thinking, "Oh, what's going on here?" Then Brees comes in, and and you look at how he develops over the course of a season. And again, it, again, it, it, I wouldn't say unless you're unless you're um, an expert on world football, another player that you go, "Well, okay, let's see what he can do." Turned out to be an important player, which seems to be the case with 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 a fair few signings at Forest. Right. Well. Looks close it down in, in there, really. But can you give Forest fans some reason for optimism going into next season? Based on you know, it was a good season overall, and there are a lot of good players at the club still. But I, I mean, that's that's therein lies the crux of it. It, it was a good season until they missed out on the playoffs. Therefore, mm. it was. I think it then turned. I think it then turns into an okay season. That's not me being negative. I think that Forest fans understand. And are realistic, um, and I think to get that close and miss out is something that they're going to have to absolutely think about, debrief, break down, and then completely compartmentalise and push it away, and feed off it. Um, like you said earlier about teams feeding off disappointment and going again, that's what they need to do. We've seen that in in recent seasons, and I'm not just talking about Leeds, or uh, we've seen it with Brighton. They they, they missed out on the on the final day and, and managed to work them themselves up into the division in the next season. So I think they've got to be positive. I think there's plenty of players that they can hang the hats on and be um, grateful that they're at the football club. And in turn, they should feel grateful that they're turning out for for this football club. Um, and I think the manager, hopefully, if he gets the chance, it, it was quite a, a quick turnaround in pre-season. If he gets the chance to have a... It's going to be a quick turnaround again. If he has a chance to work on a side which can add more strings to its bow tactics-wise, then they've got a hell of a chance because we talk about it, and especially from my vantage point of, of we um, try and bring it into your households as uh, as best as we possibly can. The reason that we do enjoy it and love it and it breaks our heart and it make, but also makes our heart sing is because of how utterly unpredictable it is, how utterly unpredictable it is. So most seasons since Forest came down, they should be thinking, why not? And they should think exactly the same at the start of, the, of next season. Why not? And demand that their club, their players, those people that represent them en masse, do absolutely everything in their power to be able to achieve that. Um, Spencer Paul's put a litany of positive comments in. You are my Forest, <laughs> one of them. And I suppose that sums it up. I mean, you know, you have the blind faith in the club. You can get married, you can get divorced, but you can't leave your football club. <laughs> so we'll all wake up Very for you again. Um, yeah, I mean, thanks for joining us, Prots. Some forest oh, fans, don't, some forest fans don't like you. You might have noticed. I've, I've, I, I must have, I must have spoken to you about this before. I must have done when we did the Leeds game. I must, and forgive me if I've told this story. But so I was getting the train home. So obviously walking from the city ground to the train station is quite a nice little meander. But I uh, came across it. Came across three. Forest fans in different states of intoxication. One was Stone Cold Sober. The fellow in the middle was um, a foot in both camps, and the one on the other end was was pretty wild eyed. But so I started talking to the one who was uh, sober as a judge. Oh, what do you think? And the kids, were, his kids were like, "Oh yeah, and I had a little chat with the guy. Fantastic! I think you're very, very good tonight." 
and then his mates chunter in the background the geese in the middle's having a bit of a laugh and um and, and to the point where it's like the chuntering's got very like is he we, yeah cool have you got something to say <laughs> well any chance you being nice about us and i went what what are you three i said i've never met and he went no no first went what do you mean I said oh you never said anything nice about us i said i wasn't aware that i was saying anything overtly negative or ridiculously over the top and then he went oh and then he reeled off a list of things and i said well a couple of those mate they're not necessarily me that said it and he went well well yeah you lot are all the same <laughs> i was like, like what <laughs> this this is um going quite sad but between so i would say between the city side of trent bridge and possibly hooters i think i talked him round, but that might be because he saw hooters and he was going to go <laughs> in there next that might have cheered him up but um uh but yeah i i i mean if if it's purely on the basis of um figuratively kicking all forest fans in the knackers and being a total tool against yeovil i absolutely understand i absolutely 100% understand and i will never be able to make up for that but it's a place that's got a huge affection in my heart. It was my formative footballing um, uh, foundation and a city that's just phenomenal, really. So, uh, there's, I, like I said, I take it on the chin if it's for Yeovil. If it's for me, fundamentally, as a person, I can't change that. I'm so very sorry. <laughs> but I sincerely hope that this, not this time next year, because if we're still playing football on July the 23rd <laughs> next year competitively, then we all know that we're in a completely different realm of, of reality. But I hope by this time next year, Forrest are getting themselves pre- prepared for the first game back in the Premier League. Well, I will gladly defend you to Forest fans because you've always been <laughs> very good work us and we're grateful for your time. And, you know, Forest fans dislike Don Goodman more than you, if that's any consolation. And, 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 and the thing is, about, and the great thing, we were at, we were at the Borough game, me and Don, uh, in that little box in the corner. Were they chant about uh, it? They did because I actually because I had to do these predictions, which like is like trying to herd flies. It's ridiculous trying to predict the championship, but I've managed. Don't worry, I managed to get on Derby, Derby fans' nerves, Villa fans' nerves, Leeds, everyone's fans. That it, it's absolutely fine. I understand that because in some games, someone has to win and someone has to lose. Crazy, hey. Um, and sometimes the draw, which is normally what I stick to. But there was uh, so Forest had gone one up and. The, the Forest fans just next to us here uh, and instead of enjoying what was going on, spent the next 10 minutes absolutely battering me and done. <laughs> and I'm kind of ma- mouthing going, I said, you're going to win. It's fine. You're going like, to win. Maybe the thought I meant something else. But then, but they quite forcefully told us it was 1-0 and they were making gestures, which I think were 1-0. And then <laughs> maybe, and then, the, yeah. But, um, but even Leeds fans have got a, a being the bonnet about Don, who is born and bred in Leeds and is possibly a Leeds fan. So there you go. It's it makes it what it is. Healthy debate, we'll call it. True. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Everyone who's watched on Facebook, it's gonna go out as a podcast as normal. And it's I think we've streamed on YouTube, but we'll be on YouTube later. So catch up on uh, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, all that stuff. We'll be back with uh, probably another debrief uh, in the next few days with Sarah Clapson. But uh, it's been a real pleasure having a former player on who can give us some insight into what it's actually like to be involved in those very tough situations. So we're very grateful for your time, Prutz. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed it. I loved every single minute, Matt. And anytime you want me on again, prior to what other people might say, I will gladly come on, my friend. 
Thank you. Thanks very much, everyone, and we will catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.